you are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page. We're on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Quick reminder, we are doing a giveaway. I've got a 3D printed monster, a gray render, super interesting creature and kind of hard to come by, honestly. In order to enter into win, all you have to do is leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Once we get to 20 reviews, we're going to roll a die and see who wins. Hey, everyone. David Gillespie here. And as always, I'm joined by the watchman, Rich Wisniewski. You know, Dave, is that just because I watch you constantly? Is that the way you feel? You know that I'm the watchman. My 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 USB camera like has this little blue light that's supposed to be on only when it's on, right? <laughs> and it, but it's on like all the time, and I'm like, this this is not possible. You're and that's when I call you, and I'm but like, the blue light is on. So, dude, it. how was that lunch? I saw you had a ham and turkey sandwich today. Was that when I was streaming my lunch hour? No, that's when I'm just watching you through the camera when I'm bored and lonely and I need my buddy with me. That's a lot. <laughs> we'll unpack that in another podcast. That's right. Yes. Yeah, whole separate show is how we're going to unpack that one. Um, joining, uh, rejoining us uh, is our awesome friend, Shara. Shara, welcome back. Yay. Hi guys. Glad to be back. Yeah. You were on with our talk about um, one of our first board games we talked about, Ticket to Ride. Yeah. Ticket to Ride! You know, there we go. <laughs> Ticket to Ride was like our most popular download for year one. Really? It was, yeah, especially in the game department. Like, even today, as far as board games go, it's our most most downloaded one. I wonder yeah. if this will become our second most downloaded what, what? because we have the effervescent Shara with us. Aww. That's right. <laughs> and uh, Shara, what are we talking about today? We are talking about Roll for the Galaxy today. Ooh. Roll for the galaxy. Yes. And this is one that we've been playing a lot on Friday nights. We hate Whenever it. we do our streams. I don't... Okay. Roll for the galaxy came to me in a kind of a funky way. And I, I'd like to kind of hear how you guys got introduced to it. I was introduced to the originating game um, Race for the Galaxy, which is the card game. And I kind of hated it. Like it's a it's a deck building game, and I just didn't dig it. And so whenever my buddies would would bust it out at a game night, I would just go play a different game. <laughs> it wasn't like I would stop anybody else from playing. I just didn't want to play Race for the Galaxy. Oh, that is such bullshit, everyone. You know, David, he would be like, I don't want to play that game, and he would just <laughs> shove all the cards off the table, That's and right. then everybody yeah, would be like, like David, dude, don't mess with him, bro. He's kind of crazy right now. <laughs> I'm a I, I I take drugs and I kill people. No. <laughs> so the, and then my buddy Daniel bought Roll for the Galaxy and was like, no, it's like way better. Oh, no. And he was right. It was way better. You know, I've never played the race for the Galaxy because everybody has told me it's such a terrible game. So really? I've never played it. Why? And then my buddy named Daniel introduced me to Roll for the Galaxy also. Wait. My Daniel, or you have a different Daniel? My, mine is is Daniel Shedd. What's your Daniel's name? My Daniel's name is Daniel <laughs> Shedd as well. Are you sure? <laughs> I thought you introduced him as Daniel Sheed. I did at one point. I've oh. learned that that's a decade 
plus long error on my oh, card. Oh, so it's the same friend. Oh, I just always thought it was a different guy. No, it turns out to be the same guy. Oh, so I'm she just, is shed. You just, okay, got it. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I'm just a terrible friend. And you bring it up every time we talk about Daniel. <laughs> and Pretty I feel much. terrible about it every time we talk about Daniel. So Daniel introduced it to me. Now, when Daniel introduced it to me, he was literally like the Bobby Fisher of fucking roll for the galaxy. <laughs> Is he the Bobby? Was he was he the Bobby Fisher at the time that he introduced you to it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I never won against him. I mean, seriously, he was like, OK, Rich, we're going to play our first game, but I'm going to wear a blindfold <laughs> and we're going to play and you probably won't win. Yeah. Just don't get mad. Just don't get mad. Char, how did you find this game? This was actually through playing with David as well. Yes. <laughs> One of our Friday night um, Twitch streams. Oh my God, that's right. Daniel was playing back then. Yeah. And, uh, and you jumped in. That's right. Oh my God. That's right. And Daniel <laughs> said he would play with no audio. <laughs> and he still beat us all. Oh yeah. And I think he turned his monitor off 50% of the time. Oh Just... my gosh. He kicked our butts. Yeah. No, that kid is good. He's real good. Yeah, he really, really is. I shouldn't call him kid. He's older than me, but like the dude is just good. And I know it's one of those funky games where it's like being good at it. You can definitely tell like there's a, there's a skill progression to the game mm -hmm. that I don't think a lot of board games have. No, not like this one does. And you've been playing it a lot, Shara. Mm -hmm. And I, it's funky. Like I think the first time you and I played, Maybe even the second, like the first time is always a bad game because you're like, I yeah. don't even understand what the F F's going on. Seriously, but it took me like three or four shit. games to actually understand what was happening. Yeah, first yeah. time, like the first eight times. Go on. Yeah, and then, oh, okay, so, and then, like, the last time you and I played, you stomped the floor with me, Shara, and I was like, cool, <laughs> I need to play this game more often. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that did happen. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, so Shara, could you kind of describe what Roll for the Galaxy is? Yeah, so it's a dice rolling game wherein you get to build planets that then will give you produce as long as you're able to um, ship them back. And also alongside with planets, you also get to make your own developments. And what the developments do is they give you some special mm -hmm. rules that only you can follow, special advantages, if you will. And what the planet cards will give you are different colored die and basically all of these planets and developments will add up to a certain accumulation of points and some of the these cards will give you like even more points so like there are going to be cards that are going to be six plus so that'll give you even more points and by producing and shipping you also will receive more points so the person with the most amount of points wins but there's a couple different ways to end the game too Okay, so I'm going to go back a second. Sure. We, we, we have on our little player card these little cardboard, well, not cardboard chits. They're like cardboard placards, right? And there's, there's some that are planets, mm -hmm. and there's some that you call developments. Yes. And when we place planets, they're used to bring re pro product, produce, resources back to us that count for our points. And then we play developments, which give us rule changes do the planets and the developments both give us extra dice at certain time, or is it only the developments? They can. Specialized cards can give you, development cards can give you dice as well. But the planet cards never give you dice. 
The planet cards always give you dice. Okay, so the planet cards always do. The development do sometimes. What right. they do is mainly set up your rule set for the game to get mm-hmm. to victory points. Is that a good exactly. way of saying it? Yep. Okay. Exactly. And you always start with at least one development and a home world, at least one other planet. So you mm-hmm. should start, if unless you have like a, a funky uh, starting combo, you should start with two planets and a development. So right out the gate, you have one special rule and a couple of planets. And you might have two special rules, that kind of thing. Um, but the idea is that that gets your engine started. And you can kind of look at those and go, all right, well, I since it gives me these special benefits, I might want to go and get other developments that, like, build on that. Synergize. Or I, right, yeah. Or it might, Synergy. Uh, it might help me gain more points if I have a certain type of planet. So I want to, like, prioritize towards that type of planet. And definitely people who, like, kind of are very good at understanding how their starting combo can feed into their future stuff that those players tend to do really well in the game. And by the way, this isn't necessarily a deck building game, everyone. It's a dice building game. So some people might call it a dice chucker because you're chucking dice all the time. Correct? Yeah. I would add one more thing to this. And Sharon and I have talked about this a lot. It is an introvert's dream. Totally is. Because you can, you literally are in charge of your own little set of rules. So you're paying attention to what's going on with you. Of course, you're looking over at your teammate being like, well, hey, how are you doing? Are you getting close Ooh, to the Ooh, teammate. Game? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, That's too me. nice of a word. Excuse me. <laughs> the people you want to crush. <laughs> you're beating them. But, yeah, that's true. <laughs> but you don't, you never interact. There's never no. like, uh, I'm messing up your stuff. Oh, what? no, screw your neighbor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, screw your neighbor. Yeah. No. So, That's so the like, best part. you know, like, Shar and I have played whole games where we don't talk to each other. We're yeah. just sitting there chucking dice yeah. and like building our little worlds. And we look over and it's like, oh crap, Shar's <laughs> about to end the game. Oh crap, <laughs> I don't have enough points. Oh crap, what do I do? And, but that's it. Like, you are just in charge of your own little pocket. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I just want to sit down and build my little world and hope I'm better at building my stuff than they are. <laughs> Yep. Yes. Yep. Now, you know, what's funny is I know, um, and, and again, everyone, I have played this game a few times, but I, I usually just get totally demolished every time I play. There is a phase where you pick, like there's five actions you get to do. And I don't remember what those five actions are. Maybe that's why I never win. <laughs> but you get to pick which one that you really that you really want to have happen. But what I seem to find is everybody figures out what action I'm going to do. <laughs> And then they do the other action and they get like two good actions out of me. And I don't actually need their action somehow. So what's up with that shit? Yes. Yeah. That- so it's a way in which you're trying to anticipate what your players around you are trying to go for. Because obviously if they have a whole bunch of die on their world ready to be shipped back for victory points, it's what you're going to do. So if they're given the opportunity to ship, of course they're going to take advantage of that. So, I mean, granted that they have enough die, probably what's going to happen. What are the five phases of play on like, that you pick? What are those five? So the f- things that you can pick from is explore, where you're either getting more planets or developments. You just get a bunch of cards. Oh, okay. And you, you pick which ones you want to try and advance, or you just get money. It just hands you money that you can then spend to get dice back money, into, your, into your rolling cup. 
then it's colonize a planet, develop, uh, you know, spend towards development. So the planets and developments we talked about earlier, basically dedicating dice to those in order to get those out into the board. And then after that is produce. Yeah, shipping. And then ship. Produce and then ship, yeah. What's produce do? So produce means you're going to take the dice that are dedicated to the produce column and you're going to put them on the planets. And then ship is you're taking things off the planets. And this is where that kind of reading the other players gets really critical. If I look at, you know, let's say Daniel has a bunch of planets out and he has nothing on those planets. I might presume that he's about to do a develop. So if I roll up any develop, if any of my dice show up the little develop symbol, I might think, eh, it's pretty safe. Those are actually going to come out into the game because he might pick that task. He might pick that as his thing. And so I'll, I'll be free to develop. Okay, so maybe I got ahead of myself. Talk about rolling the dice. Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, those dice lead up to what you pick. And I never seem to get good rolls, America. This <laughs> yeah. is, and, and my friends in Poland and overseas. When, when I chuck my dice... It is like, I usually end up with like one of everything instead of a couple of stuff. Yeah. And the colors of dice really matter because the different colors oh, of dice fuck have, that. yeah, they have different facing probabilities. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. So you chuck your dice, you roll them. This is something that broke us for a long time. The rules, I, I Oh, is this Shara? Is this where you get to jump on them and tell them how to play the game? I was there that night. <laughs> oh my God. I was so embarrassed. Folks, I've been playing this game wrong for, I don't know, since the day I learned how to play the stupid game. I had, and I've gone back and reread the original rules. The original rules were written by, I don't know, an engineer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> they were written by... Silicon somebody. Valley? Yeah, Why they, does they no were, one like the user interface? Yeah, they were, they were written by somebody who does not speak English um, at, at, at like a mundane level, you know? Because... Here's the deal. When you roll your dice, you have all your dice kind of behind a little screen and you're arranging them in secret. And you get to any of your dice. One of those is wild. You just pick which one. You say, this one is wild and I'm going to move it wherever I want it to be. And it's going to go on the action I want to take. Like, I definitely want to make sure Explore happens. So even though this dice has a little ship icon, I'm putting it on the Explore spot. And that one forces exploration to happen. And two, gives you a dice towards exploration. The current rules are very clear about this. The past rules <gasps> explain that in like this really obtuse way where each of those steps I just described were described on three separate pages and it required you to remember some esoteric tag oh, that they attached on the first time and kept referencing in future pages but it's the only time on that page it's referenced. And is so this why Shara got it? Because she played with us and then went and bought the game new. Yes. Yes, Shara, you totally were like, yeah, David. Yeah, but then even I ended up getting the rules wrong. And the problem with it are the rules go on forever. <laughs> In America, she's like a doctorate. So, I mean, there's yeah. no way... <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that we can we can't get into any mansplaining here because if anything, we know who has the big brain on this phone call. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure the rules themselves were like a good ten pages long, and it's not in like big font by any means. It's like teeny tiny font. Yeah, and you have to pay attention to everything, and it is written in such. A, it felt like I was reading a textbook. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not what I want when I'm reading instructions for a board game. 
Right. And what's crazy is Roll for the Galaxy is super simple. It is. And the rules just make it seem way harder. Like, I kind of feel like the rules are like a, oh, if you're not going to finish these rules, this is not the game for you. Yeah. <laughs> but it's totally the game for you. Like, it's, it's a rite of passage or rite yeah. of entry. Honestly, I'm so glad that I started playing the game first before trying to tackle the rule book on its own. Oh, good advice to everyone. Yeah. Find a friend. Yeah. And play yeah. with them first. Join us. We play it all the time on Friday nights. Oh, yeah, and right. we will yeah. happily give you an instruction. It is a super straightforward game. And it it's is. just like, ah, this the rules are just so bad. <laughs> okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna swing back to the whole thing here. I, I'm playing the uh, I'm playing the audience here today. I'm gonna swing back through. So first, you get your setup right. You get your home world. You get your other thing. And by the way, this is like scythe. That there is like one like bitch at. Oh, excuse. I got a quick cussing. There is one <laughs> super combo that can happen. There's there's a certain set of home world and beginning yeah. card that you should never start with because you will kick everyone's butt. Is that correct? There is one that's more, it's easier to get going. Yeah. yeah. What, what is that combo? I actually don't know it. It's tagged as number nine as like the combo. Okay. So the idea is you place those down and you get some beginning dice, right? You get your beginning dice pool and they have it made to where you never can all, you always have one dice at the end of your turn. You can never expend all your dice and then have a loser turn. You always get one dice back. Right. And so you chuck some of these dice. You place them on one of the five actions, yep. you do an action, and hopefully at the beginning of the game, you're doing this to contribute more dice into your dice pool. So you can build up some rule set, you can build up your dice pool, and then you can chunk again. Yeah. I Did think I say so. that well? Yeah. I, I mean, sure. do you, do you kind of chase getting more dice? I do. Or do you chase, like, what do you... I wonder if that's my problem. Well, at the beginning of the game, I chase getting more dice. And okay. once I've reached like a certain level, depending on what my rules are, because the, the development cards are going to give me certain adv advantages. Yeah. Um, so once I've reached like my even, I honestly, you know what? I actually try to keep the amount of dice or sorry, the amount of planets and development cards pretty even. Oh, oh. Nice. that's cool. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Because the advantage of the planets the worlds obviously is that you're going to get more and more dice which is absolutely what you want at the very beginning mm. but then you also need a way to bring in the money and keep making more money and if you don't have the options to produce and ship as much then these other cards are going to be able to give you more money Ooh. um to bring the dice back from <laughs> from yeah. dice jail okay yeah, now i was yeah, just yeah. going to ask why do you need more money yeah, yeah, it's to buy, it's to get the dice back into your rolling so cup. So after you expend your dice, you've placed them on the actions that you want to use them on. Those actions come up, you get to use them to complete those actions. And as we talked about in a five-player game, you could put a dice on every action, but you only pick one that you want to support. Right. And if everybody picked the other ones, all five actions are going to happen. Sure. And so all those dice end up in, what do we call it? The citizenry. Oh, we call yeah. it dice jail. And the only way to get them out of dice jail you know, you is actually, actually, you guys just made money, a great effing point about the weirdness of the rules. The rules say they go to the citizenry. That doesn't mean jack to anybody. Yeah. Dice jail 
makes makes sense. And you got to pay dice bail $1 to get a dice out of dice jail and into your dice street where you get to roll it. And like, that's how the game always gives you $1. We, we, need to, we need to rewrite this as like a gangland game. I'm starting the wiki. <laughs> it's going to be a print and play. You go and buy Roll for the Galaxy, use the same dice, and we're just going to swap everything for like take new territory, set up, you know, drug shop, set up dealers. Oh my God. What was that game we used to play that was a text game where you had to buy the um, overcoat and you had drugs in it and you would go to other sections in New York to sell those drugs? Like you would you would buy hash or marijuana like in Queens. <sighs> What and then you would playing, buddy. Oh, it's an old text game. Oh, and then you would travel over to the Bronx oh, and you know, would sell the marijuana a, for higher than you paid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a where in the world is Carmen San Diego? That's you know it. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay, I'm on a mission. Y'all, okay, so this all started from you had to get monies, and I was like, why do you need monies? Because after you use a dice, you got to pay to get it back, right? Right, right. And I like calling it dice jail because then it's like, oh, this all makes sense. My dice are in dice jail. I got to spend money to bail them out. Yep. Ah, so much easier. Please, Rich, you got to Google this. Uh, it's, called, it's called Drug Wars. Drug Wars. It's, it's a turn-based strategy computer game. It looks like <laughs> it started off a basic game. And then, of course, Star Trader was its inspiration. And it was originally an MS-DOS game created in 1984, back when I would have to, like, crank turn my computer to get the electricity going. <laughs> and I'd be sitting here with my Commodore 64. Mom, get off the phone. I'm trying to call a BBS. Yes. And you could play Drug Wars online. A Star Trader sounds a whole lot like the role-playing game Traveler. I'm sorry. We're way off track now. Yeah, okay. Uh, back, back, back. So, so uh, Roll for the Galaxy. My favorite thing about this game... Beyond it being like a really happy place for my in, like the introverted side of me is that like when you're about midway through, you have all these different colors of dice and you're like just chunking all these dice. And it's like, oh, man, look at all these things I can do. And then you start moving everything around and it just I don't know. It's got this nice like sorting thing that you do. And there's just something kind of pleasant about sorting. I don't know, like. Does anybody else get this? Like this? No, sense I totally of, like, get it. Like organizing your dice and just like having them have like a dice army ready to go. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Rich, you maybe you're not getting enough dice. You need to get to this st stage where you're like got enough dice. You can enjoy the dice army. I don't know. It. This is one of those games. And it's, you know what's really funny, Shara? This is like Ticket to Ride. I just continually get my ass kicked in Ticket to Ride, <laughs> and I continually lose in this game and you know my number one hit list is daniel you know he's up there shara and jordan got the game and became pseudo like baby bobby fishers to the game so now you guys are on the list too so i got three people on the list that i just they stop me whenever i play the game with them and i just can't seem to get better i, I guess i don't do is it what do you think brought it for you, Shara, that makes you better at this game? Um, honestly, it was kind of a gradual thing because I would start out finishing out games with maybe like, I don't know, points in the teens range. And then, like, frankly, the more I played it, the more I understood it. And the more you also start to understand the players and what their motivations are. Right. 
So, oh. so this is one of those things where having a little bit of an extrovert is really good because you start yeah. to watch how all the other players are playing. You're like, oh, he just did this or she just did that. Mm-hmm. That means next they're going to want this thing to happen. Exactly. Okay, this might explain a lot because the world revolves around rich, which means I have to pay attention to other people. (laughs) Yep. Now, this is now explaining so much to me. Here's To me, the biggest thing is that starting setup, you have to have one planet and one development out in front that you can buy, Mm -hmm. right? And then you you have your, your starting... Oh, talk about the cards. Yeah, you know, because you get the home world and the development thing, right? Right. But but there's those there's those uh, t- there's those cardboard tokens on your placard, right? Yeah. So you get those two cardboard tokens, and one and and what's funky about the cardboard pieces is you can flip them over, and one side's the development, the other side is a planet, and you look at it and say, okay, I want this or I want that, and you have to choose. The thing is, is that they might not at all match what you've got as your starter home world Bingo. setup. And if they don't match at all, like, I don't know, put up the side, whatever side is cheapest, because you want cheap. Shara's nodding enthusiastically to this strategy, by the way. It's true, because at at the very beginning, you're not going to have a lot of dice. So whatever you can get out there to get you some victory points, go for it. Right. And like a a level one planet is still probably a dice. You know, like a level two development is probably still a helpful rule. It might not Mm -hmm. be one of the big game breaking rules, but it's going to be nice. Yeah. And it's something you can afford. And then just start exploring. Like I Mm -hmm. see a lot of players, their first turn is all their dice are are as crammed towards explore as they can because they're going to get a little bit of money and the money they and the dice they don't spend on getting money. They spend all that on finding new places, developments, mm-hmm. worlds, and they sit there and spend a lot of time deciding what is working with what they've got out. Mm. They start to build around, I don't know, doing develop, right? Mm-hmm. You, oh, every time you do a develop action, get a victory point or get a dollar or something like that. It's like, okay, cool. I'm going to build myself towards doing lots of development actions. Stuff like that is just in there and you have to spend the time to figure out how can I set myself up so that every time I'm taking a turn, I'm likely going to get a little bit of money. I'm likely going to get a victory point, something to help along. All right. So Shara, let's say you didn't explore mm-hmm. and you, 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 how, how does, okay. How does that happen? And where do the cardboard tokens go? All right. So explore just means that you have, you have the option of either gaining more money back or that you, for each dice, I believe you get like $2, or you can um, select an arbitrary cardboard card, or card out of like... The sack. The sack. Yeah, there's a, a bag of uh, uh, cardboard tokens. Right. So <clears throat> at that point, um, if you choose to go with, with the cards, um, what's that, what that's going to allow you to do is select on either side, like David said, either the world or the development that you can add to your stack, hopefully, of growing um, worlds. Do you put them on top or the bottom? On the bottom. On so the what bottom. you just got, you can't get until yeah. you get the other ones on top out. Exactly. So these are the cards that you still want to play. You have not played these. They're not established worlds and developments in your um, play area, I guess. 
I think the other bit is as you start to build, you start to build towards, I'm going to be doing the same things over and over and over again. So things that don't help me do that, I'm just not going to even mess with, Mm -hmm. you know, I never seem to get an engine going. And that's what you just described. I never seem to get an engine going. The other thing that's super important. So Sharjah said, you know, you put the new, the new tiles or cards underneath your existing card, right? Normally when you explore for cards, Right. You get one card for each die that you spend on that action. If instead you discard one of your existing cards that's already out on your little player mat, you discard that saying, look, I'm not going to even try and build this. It's too hard or doesn't help me. I just want to get rid of it. If you get rid of it, you're allowed to draw two, pick one. So in the very beginning, let's say the two things that you got were just bupkis. You could say, look, none of these are going to help me. They're too expensive or they don't help me towards my goal. I'm going to spend my first action exploring. I'm going to get rid of both of them, draw four plus any extras I get from more die. And out of those four, I'm going to keep just two. But it gives me choices. I've never really done that. Yeah. And that's one of those things that like that first turn, a lot of people start exploring because they're just going to go through and examine a bunch of different options and say, okay, with all the options in front of me, I can build something now. Let's let's put all these together. Are we playing Friday? We can. Yeah, we you want to play yeah. on Friday? Yeah, now, let's this play Friday, Friday. This this Friday is youth night. Oh, the youths will love this. The youths will love it. They do like Roll for the Galaxy. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Yeah, we can play Friday. Are you going to be yeah. there? Yeah. I, I'm, yeah. Oh, excellent. I can yeah. lose to everybody. But I'll, I'll pretend like I have a new strategy. Okay, so this is something new that I was never really doing. I was always kind of drawing my two cardboard tokens yep. and then dealing with them. So I could have my third one down was like a by seven, right? Or a oh, by yeah. six. And I'm like, yeah. I'm just screwed when I get there. I got to build up all this stuff to buy it. Yeah. So you're dumping them, getting more options to choose from. You don't get to pick more options, but you have Correct. more to look at. Correct. And then, okay, cool. What what other super strategies do you two you like to do? Please tell me. Enlighten the guests. <laughs> I'm sorry. Don't tell me. Tell America and everybody overseas. Whenever you're starting to read the other players, figuring out when someone else is going to do a ship or develop action. Because those five actions have to be done in order. You have to explore. Like, let's say all five things came up. Like, so this is good to explain. Yes. Thank you. So let's say, let's say everybody picked one of those things. And so all five acts are going to happen. They have to happen in order. So exploration needs to be completely done. Your exploration needs to be completely done before you can start on develop. Mm -hmm. And then before you can start on settle and then produce and ship. Now produce and ship, they are, they're buds. Because you need to produce, you need to put stuff out onto planets before you can ship them home for either money or victory points. And by the way, the things that you put on the planets are your dice. So yes. they don't necessarily go to dice jail, but they go to dice outlander. And yeah, they're they not go, available they until you ship outpost. them back. Dice outpost, yes. And then, and then when they're in dice outpost, you have to... Get a dice that's a ship. You have to make a dice a ship to bring them back. A prison <laughs> ship, because they're going to end up in prison. That's right. <laughs> it's so, Damn dice trail. It's so it's like Australia. So wow. Oh my god, your citizenry is dice Australia. Okay. okay. I love it. Because then they become workers. Oh, it's phenomenal. Okay. So every now and then people I do something good. 
So figuring out the whole who's about to produce and who's about to ship is really important because if you figure out that somebody's about to produce and you can say, you know what? I'll, yeah, I got two or three dice that I'd like to put out onto my planets. I'm going to go ahead and make sure ship happens and I'll put a lot towards ship because then you get to produce, put dice out, and then immediately return them in shipping. And so instead of taking two full turns to really maximize on your investment of those dice, you can do it all in one turn. So reading right. that picture is really cool. Sometimes people can fake you out, though. They can be like, oh, man, I really need to ship all this stuff home. Shara is Hitler. Shara is Hitler. Oh, yeah. Kill Shara. That, sorry, everyone. We played Secret Hitler. And all I did was mess with Shara all night. But that's another story. That's right. That's right. But yeah, that, you know, people, people will try and fake you out sometimes if they kind of figure out you're trying to read them. But being able to read when somebody's about to do a ship or develop is like really good. All right. Let me ask you guys about this other rule that I'm never, I never get right. Okay. Number one, I roll my dice, right? So I get my, I get my pool together and I chuck them and I take one of them. That's a wild. And I put it on the action I want to have happen. And then I place the other things in that action to help maximize it doing a lot during my turn. Now, there's this other one where you can take one of the dice and put it into purgatory. <laughs> and then you can change another dice to whatever face you want it to be. Am I playing that rule right? What the hell is that about? Yeah, yes, you are playing that rule right. It's called reassignment. So Purgatory. Well, <laughs> You've been reassigned to purgatory. <laughs> so one well, of them goes to say I'm paying for reassignment. Yeah. And then a second dice gets reassigned. Correct. And if it gets used, if the reassigned dice get used, it goes to dice jail. And the dice you paid for the reassignment, does it go to dice jail or does it go no. back to your dice pool? It goes back to your dice pool. Okay. See the complexity, people? Yeah, it, and it's one of those things that, like, once you've seen it done, you're like, oh, okay, I get it. Moving on. Right. But they totally spend, like, two paragraphs describing that one thing. <laughs> uh, two pages, probably. But, yes, I thought I was playing that right, but it's always one of those ones that while I'm looking at all my dice, I'm like, do I put two up there? Oh, do I put one up there? Does it go to jail? Does Do I get it back? And, and ladies and gentlemen, Shar has totally skunked me on the reassigned developments. Oh. I ignore them. At my peril, because she picks them up, and whenever you gets multiple reassigns, <gasps> or gets benefits. Because the you rules can do that too. Like, the development hey, rules. How'd you get all this money? And she goes, ha ha ha, development. And I'm like, oh, the pain. <laughs> or better yet, it's not even the reassigned development. It's usually the six plus developments that I go for once oh I God. have yeah. enough dice. And, like, there's certain ones that I will totally look out for, too, because if I come across them, I know they're going to be good. For example, like, I don't even know why I'm telling you guys and the rest of the world this, but... Please um, do. For example, one of my favorites is the 6-plus card where you you total up the amount of points that you have with your non-reassigned developments divided by 3, and that adds to your total victory points. you got to do math in this game. And so yeah. you just end up with a giant stack of developments. Yep. Wow. Mm -hmm. And by the way, you know how you pay for dev developments, everyone? With dice. That's right. Yeah. And Everything so you move dice. them. That's right. You move them to this development area. And then once it's paid for, guess where they all go? Dice jail. Dice jail. 
where you can buy more develop. Well, you buy the dice back. You pay di- dice bounty or dice bail. Bail. Dice, dice bail. And then you can use them on more developments. Yes. I, you know, I'm kind of really hoping there's somebody listening to this into us and on the subway. And as I go, do you know where those dice go? They just yell out, dice jail. <laughs> and everybody on the subway is looking at them like, oh, God, is this going to be one of those world star hip hop moments? Yes. <laughs> Start recording. Put on your uh, on your SoundCloud. <laughs> so, OK. And then the last thing, there is an expansion for this game. Char, have you played the expansion before? I played it like a handful of times. I really, really like it because honestly, oh. after a while, you know, you kind of start memorizing what the cards are, sure. But like the level at which I was playing it, uh, yeah, was special. So once wait, you... wait, 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 wait. Did wait, you wait, like wait, write wait, a research wait, paper wait. on this? No, no, no. no. I, I, gotta, well I, have. I, I gotta ask you. When you when when somebody lays out like a certain planet or a certain development, do you know what's on the flip side? Yeah. Yes, wow. I knew it. I knew it. That is awesome. I'm that going back so to cool. drug wars. Forget this game. So okay, talk to us about the expansion. Yeah. I've so the expansion, um, honestly, like all it does is give you more stuff to work with, give you more developments and, and settlements to work with. I think it just adds a whole lot more complexity. It adds more fun because the other thing is it also adds like a couple new colors of dyes and oh. the way in which the dyes are used is also interesting because you can actually um, have the option of um, like some of the dyes, faces of the dye will allow you to choose between two actions that you can possibly make. So it can be like explore and develop. Ooh. So... I mean, you have to make that choice before you reveal your um, dice set to everybody else. Okay, okay. So we were, we've really almost walked through the game here, right? We've kind of went through the idea of getting your start, get your dice pool built, do things, blah, blah, blah. Do them over and over and over. And the ways, you know, Shara mentioned earlier at the beginning, the ways to get victory points, I think, were bringing things back from the planets, Yep. And shipping for points is like really like salt of the earth. I'm going to just sit here and like slowly farm up. Grind. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, it's honest work, um, <laughs> but you're never going to get wealthy at it. I know the feeling there, people. Yeah. But I've okay, totally so- done that to end a game. I've been like, you know what? We're going to farm these down because I want this game to end and let's just go farming for a couple of turns. When I play go. with Daniel, he seems to have a magical way of making that happen when he's ready. Yeah. He's like, yeah, it's time to close out. Boop. Okay, so we close the game out. How do we add up victory points? So theoretically, you've been adding up victory points as you go. I Um, never do. (laughs) So I get to the end of the game and I got to count everything. Yeah. This is where counters help so much. Yeah. Especially like in the simulated version. I don't know if there's a way that they can actually include it on the like board game version, like physical board game version. You get one of those little golf clickers. There you go. That's you know, you that's not a bad idea. Yeah. yeah, so you just add up all the developments and planets in front of you. And your starter set of three can give you victory points. You know, so all Oh, okay, those, so where do they come from? Where do, Okay, so the chips little, that you went and pulled out of the victory pool, they're, they're part of it. So those yep. are real easy, right? You got yep. 15 of them, you got yep. 15. Yep. And then, now, and then don't your, the worlds and developments have numbers on them that count? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they've, the diamonds for developments, the circles for worlds... Inside of that symbol will be the number of victory points is worth. And somewhere between zero and six. And so the cheap ones are all zeros. Or there's only like one or two that are zero. And it's like the okay. the shattered home world or something like that that's worth mm-hmm. nothing. 
Um, you know all the cards. But but most of them are worth at least one to six. Okay. And you're right. The higher the number, the more dice you had to spend to get that shit out there. That's right. And do the right. dice count for anything? Do you get to no. like count up? On, no. Does no. the monies dice, count? No. Do you feel like a bunch actually, of monies? Hold on. Hold, hold your horses there. What? What? Yeah. So if what? you what? end up in a tie... The <gasps> amount of money and dice that you have can is the tiebreaker. All right. How about that, America? All right. All right. I bet they. I bet they spent five pages on that. Um, <laughs> and you probably had to skip between three pages to go find that. I, I swear to God, this this guy was like writing his uh, his college dissertation. He's like, I gotta get six more pages into this. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> so. Okay, and then and the last thing is you might have some developments that are really expensive ones that have multipliers and effects added to them. Ooh. That are things like for every whatever you have, get extra more victory points. So um, you may or may not have that in front of you, and that's the last thing you got to look at. I'm ready to play again, people. I'm going to win this time. <laughs> I'm going to win. Okay, we can't invite Daniel, Jordan, or Shara. None of them are allowed to come. <laughs> And then maybe I have, okay, Shara, you can come, but you got to help me. You is that just because you heard that she beat the pants off me last time? Yeah, that pretty <laughs> much what was it. Is. Yeah, <laughs> I can maybe you be now. David now. That he's I did that thing where I said no, but I was secretly hoping somebody would say objection so I could say yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, I really like this game. It's a, it's a super fun game, especially if you have somebody like can show you the ropes the first time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Expect the first game to not go so well. Honestly, expect the first couple of games to not go so well. And it would be really helpful if you can play with people that are also willing to explain that, hey, this is the logic behind why I'm playing this right now. The first couple of times. So you like then start getting the hang of it. And if you know how to play and you're 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 introducing this to rich caliber players, remember that one thing that they've done to me a few times is they go, hey, no, I would do this with your dice. Even though I did my reveal, oh, yeah. they would come over mm-hmm. and say, hey, you know, put this dice here and reinvest this dice here. Now let's play this turn. And, you know, it's not that they did it every time and they didn't do it twice for the same thing. Yeah. But it definitely was one of those things they didn't let me just waste turns. Right. They were They were investing in me to understand how to play the game. And I think that was really helpful for me. Just yeah. like the, you know, trying to get those rules down. And that's exactly what I did for my cousins when they started playing with us too. Being able to tell them that, hey, consider an alternate way that I would play this and this is why. Ooh, how long is the game? Well, I mean... When you play with Shara, it's 10 minutes. Basically, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, when when you get good, it gets fast. It does. When you are still learning, it's a pretty slow game. Oh, and by the way, everybody does play their own game. You guys talked about being introverts. Mm -hmm. Sometimes when we're playing on Tabletop Simulator, I just fucking move my dice around. I don't know which one should be in jail. I don't know which one needs to be where. I just kind of move around. Nobody notices. I just do whatever I want over in my little play area. None of them have any clue. Ladies and gentlemen, Rich Wisniewski has been cheating his ass off. I wouldn't say cheating. I'm cheating such a hard word. Just confused and I need to move to the next round is more like it. So I just shove things in different directions and I go, I'm ready. R- ladies and gentlemen, Rich Zineski has been button mashing his way forward. 
into the E Honda combo. A B A B up down up down left right left right. Oh man, yeah. If only. No, yeah. It's it is one of those games that like because you're focused in your own world, you gotta trust everybody who's playing with you because that's right. Cheating is crazy easy. It, oh, yeah. it is. It is super easy, especially Not on tabletop simulator. Well, on tabletop simulator, you just zoom in and you've just got your own little pocket, mm-hmm. and then like glancing around is actually effort. Whereas yeah. at the table, at the table, it's like wait, wait, wait. No, what no, you got no, over no, there? Yeah. No, I would no, no, say no. even at the table, it's hard to keep track. Of it everything. is a little harder. Yeah. Because there's no interaction. Yeah. Right. You right. play your own game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. We talked about 10 minutes. Shara is kicking everyone's asses. But a regular game, not learning. Like, we're going to play on Friday. Everybody's played a handful of times. Yeah. You, what do you think? An hour? Hour 15? No, no. Like 45? 40, yeah, close to there. Maybe like 30, 30, 30 to 45 minutes. Maybe I, I talk so much shit the games take longer. I, yeah. I, so with I regular that, people, it's 45. I think that when you're just sitting there like playing the game, I think you can get through a game in 20 minutes. Oh, yeah. So there is, I will say, like a difference between like a two-player game versus like a four-player game. Yeah, that's true. Ooh, that's a good question. I've only played it with, okay, I learned it with two. But mm-hmm. I really only played it with four or five. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's just I, a slower think, game. Yeah. You know, and I think it just takes longer because for me, at least, I'm trying to figure out, hey, what's everybody trying to do? What's their, what's your strategy? I, you know what? Then say it like this. I think you have about 10 minutes per player. Yeah. It is not colorblind friendly, but there is enough space. There is enough difference that once I've asked a few times, which one's purple? I'm able to know that's the purple one. Um, so they, they talk about things and sometimes I even have to just go, okay, is that a purple one? And I know where to go get it once someone says it is purple. Um, but it is definitely not a, one of those games where they've worked symbols in, in place of colors to where you can kind of fudge your way through it. But even then, look how I still like it. You know, you normally don't hear me say that after I, I don't like a colorblind game. I usually go, I go, you know, it's to the wind. And this one, I actually go, no, I put up with the problems because it's a fun game to play. Because we talked about one game where it was like after a couple of turns, you're like, I can't play this at all. Oh, yeah. No, that was that board game geek. Yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah. I even forgot the name. It was so bad. Yeah. I was like, get me off this guy. Even the people that could see colors were like, holy shit. <laughs> this <laughs> game tough. is such so many shades of stupid. Yeah. But I'm so sorry. That's maybe, one. maybe that's something that we could even posit to uh, the table, the people, the people that make the workshops on tabletop simulator and be like, Hey, is there any Ooh. way that you can make this um, colorblind friendly? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I remember like in the tabletop simulator version, all the bags that you pull the dice from are labeled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm pulling the green die and pulling yes. the yellow die, the purple die, which is <laughs> nice. But then once it's in your hand, uh, doesn't help mm-hmm. you. Exactly. And But I think there's enough shade differences that I can tell. Okay. But I just have to know that one's the purple one. It's not that mm-hmm. I see it as purple. It's just I know that's the purple one. Yeah. And, right. and it's it's important to note that it, that your flavor of colorblindness is not everybody's that's flavor right. of colorblindness. Exactly. So other folks may have more problems than you do. That's right. I'm, mm-hmm. a, I'm a snowflake. I'm unique. You're, you are a beautiful <laughs> snowflake. I'm a beautiful snowflake. <laughs> Oh my God. Love it. I really love this game and I'm glad you got to come on and talk to us about it, Shara. Yeah. Thanks for having me back guys. All right. Well, everyone at home, thanks a ton for listening as always have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits.
Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. We're talking about um, Cards Against Humanity today. <laughs> I prepared for cards. Prepared incorrectly, sir. Damn it. As always. Incorrect. Have you guys played Joking Hazard yet? No. <gasps> oh my god. All Choking right. Hazard? Is that like a game of little bits you have to put in your mouth? <laughs> I wish. What is it? Uh, it's called Joking Hazard. Oh, it's joking. By, yeah. The makers of uh, Cyanide and Happiness. Ah, oh, nice. Yeah. Uh, let me just tell you, I think it's way more entertaining than Cards Against Humanity. Mm-hmm.